It's wonderful to be back with you. Uh, wonderful to get to spend time with uh, Aaron and Crystal. And um, thanks for, for welcoming me back. And um, I, I, uh, I, I, I was just kind of aware and thinking, uh, you know, uh, Kyle and Monica, thank you for coming here. I remember Pastors College last year just talking about, so what's, what's the plans for the future? And Kyle was unsure. And then just God's kindness to, to bring them here. Uh, Aaron was filling me in. Last week received a whole bunch of new members. Uh, and then uh, just filling me in on what was going on in Alpha. And, and, and I just thought, Jesus is building his church. Uh, I, have the, I have the wonderful, uh, the kind of the privilege of, you know, coming every six months. And you guys, you know, slowly you see things happening. But I get to come in every six months and think, wow, you know, God's done a lot in the past six months. And I know you're grateful and I'm, I'm so grateful. And, and thank you for uh, supporting Casa de Esperanza. Uh, I was, what a moving uh, video. I, I was unaware that that was going on, but wow, that is just fabulous. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you are doing. Okay, uh, you can open to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, the title as was up there is The Power of Weakness. I'm not sure the significance of bamboo and the power of weakness, but uh, I know somebody thought there was, so I'll just roll with that. Um, I love preaching on this uh, particular topic because it's a passage that's just meant uh, so much to me uh, over the years. Well, uh, graduations uh, are coming up in December here, and uh, graduations are time uh, to celebrate both achievement and potential. Uh, So they're graduations, you're moving, uh, but they're also commencements. Something new is is starting. Uh, And and so they often focus on potential for the future, uh, especially graduation speakers. So uh, they'll look to the future and say, follow follow your dreams and, and you can change the world. And, and you can accomplish anything uh, that you want if you just work hard enough, if you just believe hard enough. And, and sometimes they'll read the poem Invictus. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments to scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Everybody just goes charging out to change the world. No one ever gets up at a graduation and, and says, here would be my advice to you as you commence this next season of life. Be weak. I can just imagine the uncomfortable rustling, uh, the embarrassed silence, people kind of looking at each other and saying, who invited this guy? But, but God's message to believers God's message to us as we commence each season of life, in fact, as we commence every day of our lives, is just that, be weak. Because in God's economy, in God's kingdom, a humble acknowledgement of weakness 
is the, the gateway, the, the door. Uh, it's the gateway to finding strength to live in every area of life. Uh, because in God's economy, there is power in weakness. So let's read First uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter twelve, uh, verses one through ten. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, fourteen years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me and to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm sorry, I'm just laughing at at, um, knitting rolling around on the front. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, I, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray uh, that um, you, you would just move among us to help us to, to, to grasp the power that we have in weakness and the strength that you communicate to it through our own weakness. And the result would be just a, a daily awareness and a daily leaning on you for your strength and power, not to be um, held back by the thoughts of our own weakness, but be encouraged and full of faith. And Father, in, in, in my weakness, I, I do ask you to help me to, to serve your precious people uh, today, this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we need a, just a little bit of background to understand what's going on here. Paul is being forced to defend his apostolic ministry against false apostles or those that even called themselves super apostles. But Paul is not doing this uh, for his own sake. He's not doing it because, oh, how dare those people uh, speak that way about it. He's doing it for the sake of the church. He's doing it for the sake of the, of, of the gospel. He was loath to boast. He was loath to do what he did. But he knew 
to do so was critical for the sake of that church and was critical for the sake of the gospel. And so these false apostles, these super apostles, were commending themselves. Uh, they were uh, they were boasting in their credentials. And the question that they were throwing out about Paul was simply this. What are your credentials? What qualifies you to claim the title of apostle? And so uh, obviously they're, they're addressing a unique situation in Corinth. But I believe there are three principles here uh, that will really serve us in our day-to-day life. Uh, The first principle is this. Each of us is called to action. Each of us is called to action. Now, obviously, none of us have the same apostolic calling as Paul, uh, but each of us has a calling to battle sin in our lives and to pursue virtues. Uh, In other words, to grow in holiness, uh, to grow in the process of sanctification. Each of us has a calling uh, to serve this local church in various ways, some one way, some another way, but no one is exempt from the calling to serve in their local church. Uh, We each have a calling to share the gospel with others, uh, to uh, take those people that have God placed uh, in our lives who are uh, near to you but far from God and be able to share the gospel with them. Uh, Each of us is called to persevere through the hardships and the trials uh, that inevitably come from living in a fallen world, but also come from being Christians. In other words, each of us is called to live as disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, That's our calling. So each of us is called to action, and as a result, we need power to enable us to, to, to pull that off Uh, If there was no mission, uh, if there was no calling, uh, strength, power, they make no difference. And so if the most strenuous thing I was called to do is sit in a recliner and and work the remote all day, uh, power is not an issue for me. Power doesn't matter for me. But uh, I'm called to more. Weakness doesn't matter if I don't have a mission. Weakness doesn't matter to you if you don't have a mission, but each and every one of us have a mission and calling Uh, because uh, you you have a mission as a Christian man and woman. Uh, Many of you, uh, as a husband or a wife or as parents, uh, some of you as pastors or elders or leaders in some way in the church or in your ministry responsibilities. So each of us is called to action And as a result, our weaknesses matter. Power and strength, they matter. Uh, But secondly, uh, each of us is weak and needy. Each of us is called to action, but each of us is weak and needy. Uh, I, I simply cannot function fruitfully on my own resources, no matter how naturally gifted I might be, no matter how uh, naturally disciplined I might be, and neither can you. Uh, It's interesting over in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1, if you you actually want to flip there for a moment, that uh, God speaks of uh, the people that he 
purposefully chose to be his people. And starting in verse 26, he says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring the nothing, the things that are, so no human being might boast in the presence of God. So God purposefully chose weak people. Isn't that interesting? Uh, he could have chosen the most, you know, let's get the superstars, let's get the wise, let's get the powerful, let's get the rich, uh, let's get them in the church and we'll just get off to a rip-snorting start. But he said, no, let's, uh, here, here's, here's who I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose those in the world uh, that don't have all those natural gifts, natural talents, natural ab uh, abilities. In other words, he chose people like me and he chose people like, uh, like, like you. I can never accomplish anything of eternal value. I can never accomplish anything that's going to be meaningful for eternity on my own resources and my own strength, and, and neither can you. I am uh, dependent. I am not self-sustaining. I am not self-sufficient. And you aren't either. So, so when Paul says, when I am weak, we need to ask the question, so when am I weak? When am I weak? And the answer uh, is, is, is simply this. Well, I am weak anytime I'm not actively drawing strength from Jesus. I'm weak anytime I'm not actively depending upon uh, the Holy Spirit for his work and his power uh, in me, no matter how great the task might be or no matter how small and every day the task uh, might be. I, I am weak anytime I'm leaning on myself, anytime I'm self-sufficient, anytime I'm self-reliant. Uh, Jesus gives a wonderfully clear example of this uh, in everyday life in, in uh, Israel. Uh, of vines and branches, he says in John 15, 4 and 5, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? You can do nothing. Not, you can do the small things. You know, you can do 90%. You know, let me jump in and help you with the rest. No, you can do nothing. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, in his usual pithy way, said, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without wind. We are useless. Now, here, here's, here's the danger of this kind of self-sufficiency and self-reliance. The danger is its subtlety. Uh, the, the, the danger is it operates behind the scenes. In, in other words, I don't wake up in the morning. You don't wake up in the morning and say, 
you know, Lord, I know you probably got a really busy day. Uh, you got a lot on your mind. Uh, so why don't you just go ahead and take the day off? I got this one. I, 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 got, this, I got this day. In, in other words, it's, it's this subtle, passive, kind of default mode uh, that we can so easily fall into. Um, so then, if it's that, how do I recognize if, I, if that's me? How, 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 and, and we recognize by the symptoms that that kind of thinking produces. So let me give you five. First of all, anxiety. Uh, we, we live with anxiety when we're self-sufficient, self-reliant, because instinctively we know we can't trust ourselves to do anything of eternal value. Um, we tend to be tired just exhausted by the effort uh, to do what we're not capable of doing in our own strength. Uh, We tend to lack joy. Because how many of you have a great time being anxious and tired? Um, There there tends to be anger and frustration and discouragement and, and doubt because things don't go well in our life and we we feel constantly thwarted in our hopes and constantly thwarted in our desires. Uh, and then uh, we find ourselves bearing little or no fruit and, and just kind of wondering why. Why aren't I making more progress in my walk with the Lord? Why aren't I more effective in uh, my, my ministry? Uh, the great Puritan John Owen said, The duties God requires of us are not in proportion to the strength we possess in ourselves. Rather, they are proportional to the resources available to us in Christ. We do not have the ability in ourselves to accomplish the least of God's tasks. This is a law of grace. When we recognize that it is impossible for us to perform a duty in our own strength, we will discover the secret of its accomplishment. But alas, this is a secret we often fail to discover. Oh, brothers, Grace Covenant Church, brothers and sisters, let us not fail to recognize this secret that is really no secret at all. Let us not fail to recognize it. And let's not assume that we just automatically uh, get this. And so we are called to action, first of all. Secondly, we're weak and needy. But then thirdly and happily, God is willing and able to empower. God is willing and able to empower. So in verses 7 and 8, we find Paul is pleading for the removal of this thorn. Now, reams of paper and books have have been dedicated to what what is this thorn? Is it a disease? Is it this? Is it that? Uh, We don't know for sure, but we can know the thorn was some type of weakness, something that Paul felt on a daily basis, something that, that hindered him, something that he called out to God three different times to remove from him. And as Paul prays in those ways about the thorn, about this weakness, God basically says to him, Paul, don't worry about the thorn. 
Paul, it's not your weakness that matters. It's my strength. Paul, even with this thorn, even in all your weaknesses, my grace is sufficient for you because for this very reason, my power is perfected in weakness. My power is perfected in your thorn. My power is perfected in the hardships, trials, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, note something very important here. God doesn't say, okay, Paul, I'll make you strong. Paul remains weak in and of himself, uh, but God graciously manifests his, his, his strength on a daily basis through Paul's weakness. So uh, let's ask this. So how do I, how do you, like Paul, tap in to this power, this, this strength, this enabling, this ability, this grace, this sufficiency? How do we, how do we top in, tap into this, this grace? Well, I, I believe under this third point, there are two ways uh, that we tap into it. And the first is very simple, uh, just being aware of our weaknesses. Being aware of our weaknesses. That is a a necessary and and relatively easy starting point. Uh, There are are certain things in Scripture that if they weren't so sad and cringeworthy, they would actually be be funny. And, And I think one of those is uh, Paul's letter in, uh, Revel- or, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus' letter in uh, Revelation chapter 3 to the church in Laodicea. And he says to them this, for you say, so this is their self-assessment. If he were to ask them to fill out one of those surveys or something, uh, this, this would be their self-assessment. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. In other words, talk about a surprise evaluation. You know, you go in for your annual evaluation at work and you think you're getting five stars or an A+. Uh, and then uh, your boss says, no, actually, you're wretched, wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Um, Their self-assessment was a cosmic misjudgment. But but that's what what we can be in danger of of, of doing, isn't it, Uh, if if we're not careful? Um, The power of Christ is power in weakness, but the starting point is for tapping into that power is we need to be aware of our, our, our weaknesses. Uh, Murray Harris says, this grace of Christ was adequate for Paul, weak as he was, precisely because divine power finds its full scope and strength only in human weakness. The greater the Christians, and here is the, the key word, the greater the Christian's acknowledged weakness, the more evident is Christ's enabling strength. 
In other words, it's not the greater our weakness, it's the greater we acknowledge, we realize, uh, we rightly assess our, our, our weakness. And notice that Paul doesn't simply accept his weakness. Oh, well, okay, I'm weak. Uh, he, he's actually glad uh, of his weakness. That his weakness is not this great trial to him. Um, I don't know, you know, if I had a thorn in my flesh, I wouldn't just plead three times. I'd be pleading every day. Uh, but, but this trial, his weakness, he, he's actually glad for them. It's not simply a trial to him. It's a blessing to him. Because in, in his self-acknowledged weakness, he's recognizing the sufficiency of God's grace in his life. Now, why? Why is that true? Well, Philip Hughes says this, human weakness provides the opportunity for divine power. When we acknowledge our weakness, when we acknowledge our need, then it opens up the door. It provides the opportunity for us to tap into God's divine power. Again, Charles Hodge, uh, when really weak in ourselves and conscious, and, and do you notice uh, John Owen, Mary Harris, uh, Hodge here, all had some word that speaks of being aware, acknowledging, being conscious of. Uh, when really weak in ourselves and conscious of that weakness, we are in a state suited to the manifestation of the power of God. When emptied of ourselves, we are filled with God. Those who think they can change their own hearts, atone for their own sins, subdue the power of evil in their own souls or in the souls of others, who feel able to sustain themselves under affliction, God leaves to their own resources. What a terrible thought uh, that is to be left to our own resources. God leaves to their own resources, but when they feel, and here it is again, acknowledge their weaknesses, he communicates to them divine strength. Now, I would guess that every one of us would, would, would wake up a, a, and say, oh, I'm very aware of my weaknesses. But are you really? Do you wake up every day? Do you walk throughout every day consciously and continually uh, aware of your weaknesses? Or when things don't go well, uh, is it just kind of your default mode to think, man, I just got to work harder. I just got to try harder. Uh, I just got to do more instead of I I've got to recognize my weaknesses and my inabilities uh, and know that God's grace is sufficient uh, for me. And if you are aware, uh, are, do you just get discouraged by them instead of using the opportunity to recognize and acknowledge your weaknesses uh, to, turn, to turn God. And so do, do you rely on him, uh, not just in cliche, but do you rely on him deeply and daily and, and, and genuinely? So the, the starting point uh, for tapping into this power is simply being aware of, acknowledging our weaknesses just each and every day, walking through our days, acknowledging our weaknesses. The, the, the second way we tap into this power is through faith. Uh, it, it's, it's faith 
that we draw upon, it's by faith that we draw upon uh, this grace of God uh, and the strength that is available uh, to us. In Ephesians, Paul uh, talks about saving grace and he says, by grace you are saved through faith. And, and I believe by grace through faith is actually not just the way we enter, but it's the way the entire Christian life works. That uh, th- th- there's, this, uh, there- there's this wonderful um, formula, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we, we hear and we read the word of God and faith comes. And there's a lot of different ways to um, define faith. I like to define it as self-renouncing trust in God. It's not simply trust in God, but it's, it's, it's a trust that renounces ourselves, self-renouncing trust in God. So the word, uh, and then through the word comes faith, and then through that faith comes, comes grace. And, and so that really is the way the entire uh, Christian life works. We appropriate the truth of God's word. Uh, God gifts us with faith, and then grace comes through that faith. Uh, in the great faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the, the writer says, by faith there were those who were made strong through or out of uh, their weaknesses. Uh, so it's faith, uh, but, but two particular things about faith. F- first, It's faith, as I've already said, it's faith based on God's word and faith based on God's promises. Now, look there in in verse 9. It begins by by Paul saying this, But he said to me, But he said to me. Now, I I am no Greek scholar. I'm terrible at languages. uh, But reading other men much smarter than me, uh, that, that phrase, but he said to me, is, is, is in what's known as the perfect tense. Uh, in other words, it's, it's, it's something that's ongoing. In, in other words, what Paul is saying, he didn't say to me 10 years ago or five years ago or even last month or even last week. It's as if Paul is, is continually hearing God say that to him. It's that every day... Uh, it's as if God is saying to him, uh, my grace is sufficient because my power is made perfect in weakness. Uh, And so uh, Paul every day is tapping into that truth of God's word. He's hearing God say it as if he just has said it to him uh, 10 minutes ago or one minute ago, and and he's acting uh, upon that. And, And so are there promises for me? Are there promises for you in God's word to uh, overcome sin, uh, to empower ministry, uh, to sustain you in hardships and suffering, uh, to help you as a spouse or as a parent, uh, to help you in ministry and, and as a leader? Oh, brother, there are abundant promises in scripture for every one of those things. But we have to hear them and we have to believe them and we have to act upon them for those promises uh, to, 
to be helpful to us. Um, the, the second, it, it, faith comes through uh, the word, but the second is faith is experienced through obedience. In other words, faith steps out. You, you're not going to feel God's strength until you step out. It doesn't work this way. I'm going to stand around and wait until I feel strength to do something. It's not the way it works. We feel that strength. We feel that enabling uh, when we step out. Think of this. You go out in the morning. You look over your next door neighbor, and he has the hood of his car up, and he's staring at the engine. And you think, oh, well, maybe he needs some help. You go over his good neighbor and try to help him. Say, yeah, what's the problem? And he says, well, I'm, I'm just looking at my battery and trying to tell whether it's going to have power to start my car up. And you're thinking to yourself, well, why don't you just get in and turn the key and see if it does? But that's kind of how we can live our Christian life, isn't it? Let's wait around until I feel God's power and then I'll step out and do something instead of, well, why don't you just turn the key? Why don't you step out? Because it's in stepping out, it's in obedience that we experience God's, God's strength, uh, God's capabilities. So uh, this, this doesn't work uh, by passivity. God doesn't say, my power is made perfect in passivity. Um, the, the old let go and let God which seems so very spiritual, doesn't it, and, uh, and humble, when it's actually presumptuous and foolish. Uh, God never calls us to let go and let God wait around until he does something. He calls us to act. He calls us to step out. John Owen says, um, our duty is to apply ourselves to his commands and his work is to enable us to perform them. And then one final thing, in all of this, God is glorified. In all of this, God is glorified. Have you ever thought to yourself about anything, but about this in particular, why does God do things the way that he does? Uh, Wouldn't it just be easier to fix us up with permanent turbo power? Uh, I used to play this NBA uh, video game with my son. And one of the things I liked about the game is there was some cheat code or something where you, you plugged it in and then your, your player flames started shooting out of the back of his shoes and the, the, the announcer would say, turbo power! And then you're dunking from half court and you're blocking people's shots and you're just killing guys on the other team. And you think, wouldn't it be great if God just fixed me up with permanent turbo power. You know, that when I'm trying to overcome a sin, I just look, yeah, there's a flame shooting out of my uh, back of my shoes. I got turbo power going here. I want to witness to my neighbor, but I'm scared. I'm, I don't know what to say, and I'm nervous, and I'm anxious, but oh, turbo power. Wouldn't that be great? No. Be- because the design of all creation, and rightly so, is to bring glory to God and not to us. That's why boasting is so repugnant to God because it's so against uh, the very purpose of all of creation. 
But isn't it interesting? There is one area in Scripture that God actually encourages us to boast. That is to boast in our weaknesses. 11.30, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Uh, it's interesting, we didn't read it. But, but Paul tells this embarrassing story about himself. Here's this great spiritual leader, Paul, and he has to be stuffed in a basket and then let down through a window uh, in order to escape. I mean, how humiliating. Um, but Paul boasts in that. He says, I'll boast in those things. They show my weakness. 12.9, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Earlier in 2 Corinthians, he says, but we have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel, the treasure of God's word, the treasure of the Holy Spirit. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Nothing impressive, weak, everyday, ordinary. We have this treasure in jars of clay, but for a purpose, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So why aren't we fixed up with permanent turbo power? Because the purpose of our lives is to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That's why we can so happily boast in our weaknesses. The band can come on up. One final uh, quote from Philip Hughes. He says, The abject weakness of the human instrument serves to magnify and to throw into relief the perfection of the divine power in a way that any suggestion of human, human adequacy could never do. And then this, the greater the servant's weakness, the more conspicuous is the power of his master's all-sufficient grace. So Father, in our lives, individually, and in this church, may the power of your all-sufficient grace be conspicuous in our lives and be conspicuous in this church because in our weaknesses, we can testify with Paul, your grace is sufficient for me for your power is made perfect in my weakness. Amen.